This right here is the Twib Lab. You are now listening to Twib FM. Real talk, real awesome. Finally, I'm finally free. Finally, I'm finally me. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. Very excited about tonight's show. We have author, science fiction author, Cerise Rennie Murphy here to talk about our latest novel. It's a trilogy called Order of the Seers. So if you have questions, you've got comments, then please use the hashtag BGN podcast that puts you in the feed with several other live listeners to tweet questions to our guests tonight. Um, Also, if you wanted to call in and speak to the guests or ask questions, the phone number here for TWIB is 718-404-9320. Again, that number is 718-404-9320 www.twibtwib.fm forward slash live is the live link. And that will also put you into a chat room if you want to chat with other Twib users and discuss the podcast that way. So you have several options um, available for you. So tonight it's just me that's going to be hosting the show and asking Cerise uh, various questions. And um, before I get started with introducing our guest, I just want to make a couple of announcements. So today is the very last day. If you go to the blackgirlnerds.com website, we are giving away some swag from the movie Chappie. Chappie is a new film that's coming out, I believe March 6th um, is the release date. And that stars Hugh Jackman, Dev Patel, Sigourney Weaver's in it. And we are giving away some headgear, t-shirt, and a poster from the movie. So all you got to do is go to the website, go to that blog post, and just leave a comment about what you see um, in the future of how to advance and develop technology. Uh, so leave that there, and the giveaway ends tonight, and I'll make an announcement for the winners tomorrow morning. And our giveaway for Storm ended today. Winners have been contacted. So thank you to Foxy Jezebel on Twitter for joining me in the Storm giveaway. And do not um, fret. There will be more Storm giveaways to come. I've got some new comics that just came in, so just uh, stay tuned for that. Always bookmark the blackgirlnerds.com website on your browser. And we do have a newsletter with updates, so make sure to go ahead and subscribe to that. Uh, The newsletter just got sent out today, and we send those out on the 1st and 15th of every month. All right, so I'm going to introduce our guests, and then we'll get to some questions. Cerise Rennie Murphy fell in love with science fiction at the age of seven, watching Empire Strikes Back at the Uptown Theater in Washington, D.C. with her sister and mom. It's a love affair that has grown ever since. As an ardent fan of John Donne, Alice Walker, Kurt Vonnegut, and Alexander Pope from an early age, Cerise began exploring her own creative writing through poetry. She earned her master's degrees in social work and international relations at Boston College and John Hopkins School for Advanced International Studies, respectively, and built an award built a rewarding 15-year career in program development, management, and fundraising in the community and international development arenas, all while appreciating the stories of human connection told in science fiction through works like Octavia Butler's Wild Seed, Frank Herbert's Dune, and The X-Files. In 2011, Cerise experienced her own supernatural event, a vision of her first science fiction his science fiction story shortly after she began developing and writing what would become the Order of the Sears trilogy. Cerise lives just outside of her hometown of Washington, D.C. with her husband, two children, and family dog, Yoda. Thanks for coming on to the show. Yay, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Did I pronounce your first name right, by the way? Perfect. Yeah, Cerise, okay. you got it. Cerise, <laughs> yay, okay. All right, so my my first question to you is, obviously, you've got this book out that has made a lot of waves um, recently and on the interwebs. And a lot of people have tweeted to me just today how big um, of a fan they are of this book called Order of the Sears. So tell us about your trilogy and what inspired you to write it. Oh, gosh. Um, 
Well, first of all, Order of the Seers is a story about a group of people who can see the future and are enslaved for that ability. And the book's all about how they escape the organization that's trying to exploit their gift, how they reclaim their power and start fighting back. So that's kind of the book in a nutshell for those who haven't uh, read it yet. It's lots of action, adventure, suspense, a little bit of romance. Um, and I have to say, literally, the idea for Order of the Seers came to me while I was washing the dishes about five <laughs> years ago. It was nothing, you know, I, I didn't expect to be a writer. I had written poetry as SU mentioned um, since, I don't know, around 11, but I'd always told myself that I didn't have the attention span to write anything longer than three pages. Um, and I'd have story ideas and I'd talk myself out of it um, until about, I don't know, yeah, I guess about five years ago, I wrote my first short story. It was a fan fiction piece um, and I loved it. And I wrote, it was 16 chapters and I wrote it in two and a half weeks and just wow. loved every second of it. It was like turning on a faucet that it, it just poured out of me and it was pure joy. I posted it and I, after, right after that, I said, oh, that was so much fun. Too bad I'm not a writer. <laughs> and like, you know, it just didn't, it didn't sink in. I guess I never thought I'd have an, an idea of my own. And so, yeah, six months later, I was washing the dishes and this I just had this vision of this man coming towards me. His, he had this cataract-like film over his eyes and ash blonde hair, even though he was a black man from Tanzania. And I knew that he was a seer. I knew that he was enslaved for that ability. And I knew that there were people all over the world that were suffering the same fate. And, and this entire world just came to me as I was washing the dishes. And I knew I wouldn't let it go. I mean, Science fiction is just, I love science fiction <laughs> way back when, you know, like I said, seven years old, my first crush was Yoda and I'm not kidding. About <laughs> I just thought he was the smartest. I mean, he seemed so kind and he was, mm. he had these really cute ears and I was just like, oh, I could just sit in his little hut, you know, when he's making that soup and I could just listen to him all day. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really weird, but that is that is honest to goodness truth. So when you get a science fiction idea, I mean, it just, for me, it was just a total blessing. And I remember my husband came home from the grocery store and I turned around and said, I have an idea for a science fiction story. And he's like, what are you talking about? I've been gone like an hour. What do you mean? And I was like, he's like, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to try to write it. And here I am. So that's. Moral of the story is do your chores, wash the dishes. You never know <laughs> what, what might happen. So wash the dishes, do your chores. You may have a trilogy published in the works. That yes, is, go. there you go, guys. Best advice we can give you there. <laughs> um, so we, we got a question from Twitter. This is from our Black Girl Geeks account. Um, question is, how was your experience working through the first draft of your trilogy? Mm, great, great question. Um, the first book, I spent a couple months just working out the story in my head. Again, still scared that I couldn't write it. Um, and then I started with a story outline. And then um, I'd gotten some advice from a fan fiction writer that I really liked. And she said, Write each, write an outline, not just for the story, but each chapter so that, you know, you can put the story together, that you can construct the story, you know, through that chapter outline. So when you start to write the chapters, you're not wondering like what's going on. And that was critical um, and wonderfully helpful because I knew that I had tension in each chapter and I, I could see how the story was put together. If things didn't work out, I could move them around. Um, and I wrote the first draft from that chapter outline. For the most part, it was just pure joy because I was really not thinking about somebody reading it, um, <laughs> you know, other than me and my friends. I was just trying to get it out. And so uh, that was a wonderful process. I also, because I was part of the fan fiction community, had a beta working with me or an editor. Mm -hmm. And so I sent her the story outline and the chapter outline before I started writing the chapters. And I said, here's what, where the story is and here's where I'm going. And she read each, yeah, she read, I think in groups of chapters after I finished writing them. So I could 
I could see holes in the story and things that weren't clear. Um, Jessica, if you're listening, hey, uh, that, that's and I still work with her today. She's awesome and a, a really dear friend of mine. And so by the time I had the first draft, it, it was it was pretty solid. Um, I hope that that ex- answers the question thoroughly. But that's how I did it. And you mentioned before this uh, question's coming from our BGM podcast Twitter account. You mentioned before that you had written fan fiction. What was your fanfic based on? Oh, it was based on a Hallmark movie called The Love Letter <laughs> and, and Twilight. Yes, people. Oh, my goodness. Another Twilight fanfic. You know, yep, that's right. That's right. But you don't, you know, you don't have to know anything about Twilight uh, to read the to read the story because the, the plot is really about um, based on the Hallmark uh, movie, The Love Letter. So if, if you hate Twilight, you can still you can still enjoy them. Hey, you know, writing fanfic from Twilight, you know, can make you a multimillionaire these days. So, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Just saying, just saying. Um, well, well, that one. Yeah. That's not going anywhere. It's still up. It's, it's on the link for it is on my website. So if you want to check it out, you can, but yeah. Um, that's, that's what it's based on. So your books feature a range of characters from different ethnicities and backgrounds. Was yeah. that important for you to portray? Yes and no. Um, I'll start with the the no part because it really, it almost wasn't a decision of mine up front because the story just came to me and I wrote it the way I saw it in my head. And these people just were who they were and um, you know, we can talk about that later as I, after I finished it and, and then decided to publish it, kind of what that experience was like. But, um, yeah, so for the most part, they just, I saw them in my head and I wrote them down the way that I saw them. After I finished the first draft, I read it over and then realized this is the world as I see it. You know, it is diverse. I love languages. So they're like in the trilogy, there are like eight different languages that are in the book, but I love listening to language. I love seeing different, like there's Japanese and Chinese characters. I love seeing those. And um, so it's only in retrospect that I, that I saw, yeah, this is the world as I see it. And that's really important to me. And to see different characters that sometimes are stereotyped as weak, be very strong, you know, or, you know, there are, there are characters that I get tired of seeing um, stereotyped as terrorists and other movies, like in my book, they're doctors, but it wasn't like in upfront. I wasn't thinking that it's just, it's amazing how your subconscious drives you even when you're not aware of it. Wow. That's awesome. We have another question here on Twitter. This is from MJ can. He mm-hmm. says, did you know from the beginning that you wanted it to be a trilogy or did you grow it as you created the first book? Oh, great question. No, it would have freaked me the hell out if I had known <laughs> it was a trilogy from the beginning. Because I wasn't sure I could write it. I'd never written, you know, anything longer than, I don't know, 100 pages. So, uh, no, I didn't. It was, I think, halfway through writing the first book, I realized, you know, my, my beta Jessica said, you know, you're not, how are you going to finish this? And I was like, you're right. This is longer than than one story. And then I went back and I revised the uh, story outline uh, to include all three books. So that's how that worked. And this is kind of piggybacking off of that last question. This is from um, another Twitter user, Courtney Hinton. Courtney asked, does Cerise always write her stories in pieces or does she ever just write them out in full chunks? Oh, uh always in always in pieces i rarely have time to just kind of go stream of consciousness um yeah so i always have to have i always start out with story outline you know chapter outline and then and then i write the the chapters from that uh, it just helps to keep me organized and focused um the way my life is like when i get time to write i can't be sitting down wondering okay like what am i what am I doing? What is this chapter? Yeah, I need something to help anchor me and focus me pretty quickly. Um, and, and so that's how I do it. Um, the last book I have to say, The Last Seer, tried to take me off that game a little bit. And that was a little nerve wracking. 
because I was like, no, I'm comfort. This is my comfort zone. And I'll tell you that last chap, the last half of the book just wanted to do its own thing. And I actually started writing it by hand. And I wrote the last half of the last book by hand because that just, that just, I, I had to fly by the seat of my pants a little bit and it helped me to feel focused. Wow. Okay, good. This is really good stuff. We got a lot of questions here from Twitter. So I want to take it to Twitter oh, yeah, again. Sure. Yeah, this is Thanks, from, <laughs> yeah, this is from Sista Ninja. She says, how do you find an agent or beta readers if you're new to the industry? Ooh, fantastic. Well, I'll start with the easy one first. I don't have an agent. I'm independently published. Um, and so, you know, I can't give you much advice on that, but I know that there are reputable sites like, uh, I can't, I can't even think of what they are right now, um, to help you find an agent that's within your genre. Um, so I, I guess start there, but again, I don't have much experience with that. I think I sent out 20 queries and I was just like, I don't like to wait. I'm impatient. Why am I asking somebody for permission to tell my story? Like, I just have to get the guts to bring my story out myself. So that was my experience. Um, in terms of editors, um, you know what? If you want to email me later, I have some good editors that I've worked with um, that don't cost an arm and a leg. Um, but there are, gosh, there are a lot of services and, and write. But, you know, here's where I would start. Start with a writer's group, whether mm -hmm. it's locally or online. And sort of ask people who are they using for editors, because that way you'll get you'll get good referrals and you'll get experience as experiences as well. Because people tell you, well, they're good for this, but not for this. Um, and also, if you can, they'll also have good advice on um, editors within specific genres. Uh, because, for example, with Order of the Sears, the, particularly with the second and the third books, they have there's. They happen internationally. And one of the editors that I have, her background is in international development, which is just crazy. I didn't even know that when I found <laughs> And so, like, there's this scene where one of the characters is taking the train in London to go to Heathrow. And she's like, it's going to take longer than you have in this, in this paragraph for them to reach Heathrow. Because during this time, the rush hour is to kill her. Hello? Like, whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the kind of stuff that's just crazy and wonderful. But if start with the writers group, because if you just go online and look for somebody, you don't, you know, they'll sure they'll post their references, but you don't know those people. <laughs> so you don't know if you should be listening to them. But start if you're a part of any writers group, go on Facebook or in your local community, um, start there. And then always email me, you can go to my website, and we'll talk about that later, I imagine. And I'll be happy to share my resources with you. Awesome. Good, good resources. Good information. Do you see multiculturalism as a trend in our media or do you think it's here to stay? Uh, you know, I think that multiculturalism, multiculturalism is just an awakening to the way the world really is. You know what I mean? I, I think we shouldn't get credit for opening our eyes, right? <laughs> So whether or not the publishing industry is is up for it, into it or not, I think is 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 irrelevant. I think that there have always been diverse stories being told. Um, it is easier to find them and access them, and the people that and it's never been easier for the people who want to find them to get them. And so I think because all different people of different backgrounds now have more access to tell their stories the way they want to, I think it will, it's here to stay because we've always been here. It's just, we didn't have the avenues to tell our stories. And now those walls are being broken down. So we're not going anywhere. That's so encouraging and so inspiring. Um, and it helps to further the movement of, we need diverse books. So yeah. thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Um, we have a question here too from um, our Black Girl Geeks account. And she asked, what do you hope to see in the new installment of Star Wars? Oh, oh, thank you. I'm so, you know, like my heart just starts racing thinking about it. But I'm trying not to, 
I'm purposefully staying away from all this speculation. Um, like everybody, I saw that first picture when they were doing that reading and it was just, you know, one, I think there was one black person and everybody else was white. And I thought, that's not what I grew up on. Like what's in this room is not what I grew up on in Star Wars. What's going on here? And so when I saw the trailer and, you know, I guess people, there was some backlash about the black stormtrooper or whatever. I was like, I think JJ's trying to tell us something. <laughs> they heard all of our, you know, cries of like, this is not my Star Wars. And the thing is, it's not anybody's Star Wars. It's not just my Star Wars. Like if you were watching, there was just this whole world of people. So I guess I'm expecting to see a continuation of the world that I grew up with, which is this, this incredibly diverse palette of aliens, characters, um, yeah, aliens and characters that captivate me. Now, however he wants to do that, I don't want to really get into that because, I mean, he's trying to do his thing. You know what I mean? But I just want to see the spectacularness that I grew up with. And um, I liked the trailer a lot. I, when I saw the Millennium Falcon, literally, I think my knees went weak. Um, yes. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty much it. I'd love to see Yoda. I don't, I don't know if I can get him. Yeah. Oh, I know, yeah. A, <laughs> yeah. We, haven't, we haven't heard nor seen anything of Yoda in this one. I mean, so. that would just, it does, but I'll tell you, it doesn't even matter. You know, at that midnight show, I will be there. Yep. I will too. be there. Yeah. So, you know, and at least give it a chance. But I think, yeah, I think that's it. Just seeing the diverse world that I grew up with. Um, I'm not expecting great acting because <laughs> looking back at it, you know, there wasn't always great acting in Star Wars. So someone was saying, oh, well, they were so poorly acted. I'm like, it's not about that. You know, you know? <laughs> I just want to ride. They, I, I think they're bringing on some pretty heavy hitters this year, though, because obviously they've got an, an Oscar nominee with Lupita Nyong'o. Right. Coming on, John Boyega, who was excellent. Um, and, oh, gosh, now the movie escapes my mind. Um, oh, gosh, I can't remember the movie he was in. Well, Twitter, you guys can help me out with that. Um, but he did a, a stunning performance in that film. And then um, the actress from Game of Thrones who plays Brienne. Yes, I know. I saw. I love her. (laughs) Right now, I'm excited. The changes and the names that I'm seeing rolling out, I'm really, really excited. And, you know, if if they've got those people together, it can't be too bad. So, anyway, it doesn't even matter. (laughs) Yes. And the movie came to mind, Attack the Block. Attack the Block. That was oh, a yes. great film. If you haven't seen that, guys, got to check that out. Stunning performance by John Boyega. Um, so back here to our questions here. Um, there's, been a, there's been a boom in the independent publishing industry for over the last six years. And how are you finding it? What, what are the advantages and what are the disadvantages of what you've experienced? Um. The overwhelming advantage is being able to tell your story your way. You control not just the story you tell, but how it enters the market. You can do whatever you have the courage to do. And that is, as a Black female sci-fi writer, you know, you hear a lot of stuff. When I first came out, and again, I, I told you, I live in a bubble pretty much. And that bubble serves me well most days. Um, but, you know, you can just imagine, you know, everything from, oh, well, who are you going to sell to? Because black people don't read sci-fi and white people don't buy sci-fi from people of color. So, you know, and oh, if you go to a convention, you're never going to sell. You're not, I mean, all kinds of craziness. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I just, I did, because I live in the bubble, I mean, I heard some of that stuff, but I, for the most part, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to buy a booth at a convention. You know what I mean? So wow. I thought, oh, well, I'm really shy. I don't really get social media that much, but I get like meeting people and telling them about my story. So I should probably do a convention. And then it's, you know, it's all sci-fi fans. They've already said, I'm into this so I can go there and maybe they'll like my book. 
And so I did. And when I told people I was doing that, they said I was crazy, but I'd already bought the booth for, to, for example, my first convention was New York Comic-Con in 2012. And nice. I'd already bought the booth by the time they told me I was crazy. I was like, well, I already paid my money and I can't take it back. <laughs> so I'm just going to go and see. And every single thing that people told me about, you know, who would buy my book and who would stop and what, all of that was a lie. Mm. All of that was a lie. I sold to every kind of person, every gender of person. And it was just a wonderful experience that I don't think I would have gotten if I was traditionally published because I, because that sort of idea of limitations permeates that that domain and because I'm I'm independent I can do whatever I want and so I can take my book and I can sell it and I can do whatever I dare and that is absolutely the best part about being an independent author um the hard part is you have to get over your fear and your self-consciousness uh and about your work about yourself and to push forward and how I've done that because I struggle with it every single day. And I do mean that honestly, um, for me, what I focused on is my characters. I might not believe that I can do it, but I believe that my characters deserve their story told. They deserve the best that I can give them because they're awesome. And their story is inspiring to me. And I want to do the best that I can for them. And so the days that I can't get over myself, I think about what do they deserve? And then I get, I get over myself to give them what they deserve. Um, so that's, that's the hard part is that you have to do it yourself. You know what I mean? There's no, there's nobody that's going to make you get out of bed. You know, you have to do that on your own, but if you can get out of bed, you can do whatever you dare. And I love that. Excellent advice. Excellent. Uh, this is from MJ Can on Twitter. Did anyone try to crush your dream as a woman entering the sci-fi traditionally male-dominated genre? No, uh, for the most part, because I lived in the bubble and I didn't really solicit a lot of advice. <laughs> no, I didn't. And I, I think that that, that was critical because I think if I had talked about it more and maybe I would have had more people saying, you know, definitely don't. But because I didn't, I really, I really just did what I wanted to do. So that was pretty much, that was pretty much it. But, and I would encourage you to do the same. Awesome. If, if you hear that feedback, that's my <laughs> daughter in the background. They're saying, open the door. Door. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to have a professional Mommy, interview. Open this. So, excuse, yes, everybody. I'm a mother of two children. I will be right back. See, that doesn't happen that often, I'll bet. <laughs> well, this yes. is good. I mean, I, I'm I'm glad that this happened because this is going to lead me to a question that I have about work-life balance. How do you balance <laughs> Really, it's it's a great question. Yeah, how do you no, balance, you yeah. have yeah. How do you how do you deal with you know having family and kids, and then taking the time to discipline yourself to write and having that space where you need absolute quiet time to research, to to be able to be creative, to think of what you're going to put on the page. How do you balance the two? Um, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. <laughs> As, as if you, you know, as you saw just two minutes ago, um, it's just, it's difficult. I mean, there's no way around it. And I know so many other independent artists that are sort of walking this same road and we all call each other and cry and <laughs> commiserate. Um, you know, first and foremost, I have an incredibly supportive, I have an incredibly supportive family. Um, you know, my mom said I could do whatever I wanted and even when she couldn't even imagine what what it was that I was doing, she backed me up. She's like, okay, I don't get what you're saying, but what do you need from me? Okay, that's done. You know what I mean? And so that's really wonderful. Um, my husband is is awesome. And um and I have a partner in in uh in our family life and in my career and in our marriage. And that's 
you know, that's a whole other podcast, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, because we, we, you know, a lot of marriages are not partnerships and I, I'm very grateful that mine is, um, but you know, it's just, it's just hard. I wrote the first book my i we just had one child i have two a seven-year-old and a three and a half um yeah <laughs> and my the for the first book my son went to bed at like 7 30 at night it, it it's like a legend I, I don't even know how that i got that to work but i used to write from eight o'clock to ten thirty, and that's how the first book got written the second book i was pregnant with our daughter and it was just a challenge. It was just some days I didn't think the book would get done. But here's the thing. If you write, it doesn't matter if you can write a sentence, if you can write a paragraph, just don't stop. It might it will absolutely take you longer than you want it to take. Um, but if you keep going, you will finish your book. You will finish that project. But you'll never finish if you don't, if you quit. So I think in terms of life balance, it's just not giving up. And when, again, when my self-doubt comes in, I think about my characters. I think about what they deserve and that propels me forward. But uh, yeah, just a little bit at a time, just a little bit at a time until it's done. Awesome, great advice, especially for you writers out there with kids and family and you're trying to balance. And then yeah. don't feel discouraged if you have, uh-oh, you'll hear a little bit of back. Uh, feedback in the background. Uh oh. Uh, um, but don't feel discouraged if you, you know, you, you've got kids and you feel like, oh gosh, I'm never going to have time to write that book that I've been thinking about for a long time. Just do it. Just do it and discipline yourself to, you know, like she said, if it's a sentence, if it's a paragraph, just write something and don't stop. Yeah. Um, and we had Daniel Jose Older on the show a few yes. back and he said the same thing. Um, so yes. This is very important advice. These are published authors that are that are telling you this. So take heed to that. Um, we had talked earlier about fan fiction. And um, here on Black Girl Nerds, we recently published a post about fan fiction and how it can be used in an inspirational way to mm -hmm. kind of get those creative juices flowing in fictional writing. Um, so you've told us about you've written any kind of fan fiction do you still write fan fiction even now after you've published a book or is it kind of like beyond you at this point I would love to write some fan fiction I just don't I like fringe ended what was it like it's probably two years ago now and I still miss fringe I want to read some fringe fan fiction if, if anybody has some really good fringe fan fiction please send it to me and if and I, and I would definitely write some but I just don't have the time right now but no it's not beyond me some of the best writers I've ever read are fan fiction writers do you think that that is a good stepping stone for someone who's just getting started is to start with fanfic or it doesn't really matter I think go wherever you can find your support, whatever feels comfortable to you. I think that fan fiction absolutely can be a great way to get feedback on your writing and your craft um, in, in a very immediate way. Because usually, you know, you post a chapter and then you get that feedback and you post and then you get that feedback. So that's mm -hmm. wonderful. Um, but, you know, sometimes you don't need that. I mean, I wrote the entire book book for book one without posting it or sharing it. I mean, I just wanted to kind of get it out. So that was great for me. But it, you know, it just depends. It just depends. Um, I know that some people use, oh gosh, Wattpad. You know, I, I hear that's a great space for if you want to share stuff. So I think it just depends. It was for me. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had the courage to uh, publish Order of the Sears if it wasn't for fan fiction. I'll say that. Hmm. Okay. Awesome. This is uh, also from MJ can on Twitter. Was it harder to write the book or switch hats to the business aspect of marketing and selling? Oh, writing the book is a, as much as torture as I take myself through writing the book is a piece of cake compared to marketing it and the business side, because it's putting yourself out there. And if you're, you know, I'm a shy, I'm your classic shy writer. I'm an introvert and blah, blah, blah. So when I have to switch hats and figure out, all right, how am I going to make this a big deal? It's the antithesis of everything that's in my life. 
I'm a background person, but to be able to sell these books, I need to be upfront. What do you see as the next step for independent creators? Uh, you know, I think discovery and distribution continue to be our biggest challenges. You know, it's, it's a, it's a huge market out there. Um, and just getting, getting people to know about you and your work, you know, is hard for everybody, but it's even harder for independent artists who don't have the resources to, you know, get the ads and the, this and the, that. Um, so I think what, I think what I'd love to see us do next is come together to create some new models of discovery and, and distribution. Um, you know, I see so many great sci-fi shorts coming out from independent artists and they're just sort of posting them on YouTube and that's it. And then hoping somebody will see them. And I'd love to see us create, um, and I'm actually working on, um, creating a new way to debut our work in a way that draws the attention that we, that we, that we need, you know, to the fact that we're here and, and that we're producing exciting stuff. So I think that's the next step is really taking more ownership of that, of that whole paradigm. Another question from the BGM podcast account. What are some of the new books that are on your reading list for 2015? Oh, okay. Um, I am, I am, I, well, can I talk about one I just finished? Uh, yeah. I'm talking, I'm just finished Taurus moon. Uh, Magic and Mayhem by D.K. Gaston, which is an incredible fantasy epic. Um, I, I love Taurus Moon so hard. It's, it's just a shame. It's the second book in sort of his series, which is called Taurus Moon Relic Hunter. And how I describe it is it's everything that you love about Indiana Jones mixed with the Ferris Bueller sense of humor and a shaft swagger. It is absolutely awesome. And I just finished that and I'm looking forward um, to reading it. Um, I have, I just bought the Thousand Kingdoms from uh, like a, this big tome from N.K. Jemison that I'm looking forward to reading. Um, Brown Girl in the Ring, I want to read because I just saw the trailer for the movie a couple months ago and I want to make sure I'm all up and refreshed and everything um, for that. Uh, there's a great series by an independent uh, author that, um, oh my gosh, and I am just blanking on her name right now as I'm talking to you. But um, her second book is called uh, The Moons of Jupiter by April Adams that I really like. And it's an eight-part series, and she only has, I think, three books out now. But it's a great space adventure, and I, I really love it. So that's what's... That's what's on my immediate front, but I'm always buying books all the time. So that, that may <laughs> change. Um, and just randomly, I'm listening to Wayne Dwyer's uh, Wishes Fulfilled about discovering your own divinity mm. and in that space to realize your dreams. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Does that help, by the way? The more books that you read, um, does that help you become a better writer? Um, I think so. Just because you, it ups your game. You, mm -hmm. you, you see, you read something that inspires you. You just mentioned Daniel Jose Older. You know, I love his work. I mean, he's, mm. oh man. It's, I mean, and it's not about imitating. It's just, you realize when you're in lot, when you're really being true to your story or your voice, like mm -hmm. it just can't help be better. And when you read someone like Daniel Jose Older, it's just like, Oh yeah, I, I got to really get into what it is my message is, what it is I, my story is, right? Because you know it's going to be better, and his kind of his writing encourages you to do that. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Half Resurrection Blues is his yes. latest novel, guys. So check that out. Yeah. Great read. Great read. This question is from Cynthia on Twitter, Symphonit. She says, "Huge question: How does one tackle creating a world from scratch?" Mm. The short answer, 
is I, I believe as Stephen King said it like when you have a story you're not it exists in the world what you're doing as a as a writer is you're unearthing it and if you do it well it's it's sort of like excavation like if you do it well all the bones and the skeletons will emerge and you will know exactly what that thing is and if you don't do it so well like it's you you see the skeleton but it, it it's not as recognizable for what it what it truly is so for me like my challenge is just to see what is there so for example as one of the things that it, that's in the book is like the seers they have this language called prime and this way of communicating with each other and every time i would try to sort of insert my idea of what that might look like it would inevitably suck but if i just <laughs> if i just sat with the story and just tried to see the story as it truly exists then the world just comes to me and i don't i know that that's probably not helpful but my process is really to to tell the story that is i'm not actually making it up the story, these characters exist in some realm, this world exists. And they're trying to tell me what that realm is, what that world is. And if I can sit quietly and just listen to them, the uniqueness of their experience in their world comes. I don't, I, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sure that I wish I had like a, well, you add a dash of this and then you do a dash of that, but I don't, I don't have that. What, yeah. What's true for me is that the characters, the story, the world, it knows it exists. I believe that fully. My characters are living on somewhere right now. I mean, maybe that makes me crazy, but that's fine. You know, <laughs> it, it, but are you, are you honest enough? Are you willing to take the risk to, to tell their truth? And in their truth is that whole universe that they will describe to you if you're open to it and if you're brave enough to write down what they tell you. There, there. That's the best I got. She's dropping gems tonight, you guys. I hope you guys are taking notes, by the way, because this is some really great information. Um, and we will have this podcast up on the website tomorrow. Also, if you want to take a listen, if you didn't get a chance to um, get all of this live, because I know some of you guys are tuning in at the last minute. Um, shout out, by the way, to Anika Noni Rose, who's live tweeting with us. Thank you. <laughs> and she she recently um, is developed a um, has optioned a script rather for um, Daniel Jose Older's Half Resurrection Blues. So shout out to that book and um, to Daniel and, and Anika for having that done. And I'm I'm really excited to see the movie version of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so awesome. yes, and thank you guys for for live tweeting your questions. Lots of questions on Twitter. Um, I, I want to bring in one of my own questions here. How did you come to science fiction as a genre that made you um, very passionate about? I mean, obviously you were a big fan of Star Wars, but mm -hmm. what was it about science fiction that really um, steered you the most into, into writing? It's a deeply spiritual genre. It's all about what it means to truly be human or to truly be a part of a community what it means to stand alone and stand together. It's all this stuff that we're grappling with. You know, it like cut straight to the chase. And there may be aliens and cool spaceships, but that's just the window dressing. Science fiction is all about who you are, discovering who you are, finding a way to be who you are in a world that is telling you to be something else. And that resonates deeply and powerfully with me. And every science fiction book I've ever read is about that in some way, <laughs> even if it's bugs or whatever, you know, and how to accept people that are different from yourself, mm. you know, and, and how to truly connect. And, and so that is, that's where it really is for me. It's just this wonderful spiritual dialogue that's not bound by religion or conventional notions of faith at all necessarily some are very easily you know you can see the parallel but others you know it's hard to see but at the core it's it's all the same thing it's who are you and how do you connect with the world around you 
Yeah, wow. that's that's what that's what gets me about it. Do you think that many people of color have a greater advantage in telling their stories in speculative fiction? Why or why not? Um, I think that given that science fiction is all about how to how to deal with being with the pressures of being other in a world that may, you know, may require your conformity, I think gives people of color a unique perspective, you know, on that, at least in this country. Um, so I, I think, yeah, there is some advantage to that, but, you know, I think honestly, if you are a human being that is seeking a deeper meaning in your world. And science fiction is, is a place where you can work that out, you know, in a way that, like I said, that cuts true to the heart of the matter in a way that other genres just don't. So I think to this, if you've ever felt alone or strange or odd, and now those are easy, sadly, those are easy things for people of color to feel in this mm-hmm. country, yeah. you know, we can get there quicker. But I think that, you know, there's there's always a part of us as, as human beings that feels estranged. And that is our uniqueness. But that uniqueness isn't always cultivated. You know what I mean? It's not always appreciated, nurtured, encouraged. And so I think it's a genre that if you're willing to sit with that and really explore that uncomfortable space, yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to be a, a great place for you to read, to create. Yeah, all of that. I'm going to combine these two questions. This is from two Twitter users. The first one's from Black Nerdity on Twitter. She wants to know, where do you store all of your books? And then Marmar82 wants to know, what show influenced you to write when you were a child? Any TV shows in particular? Oh, um, okay. First question. Um, My books are stored everywhere in sort of a messy... Yeah, not a <laughs> situation in my house right now, um, which is, and ends up being really good and bad because my kids will pick up books and be like, oh, mommy, what's this about? Or what's that about? So we can have these great discussions. Um, my main collection uh, is in my, I have an office and I have this beautiful old amour that I've just stuck with books. Um, and so those are the ones that I go back to, you know, there's Temple of My Familiar and, and uh, beloved in there and you know those kinds of books my um my old English high school uh, textbook that has my Alexander Dunn and favorite uh, Alexander Pope and, and John Dunn poems that I really love so that's in my office and like and I love that but then I they're in my nightstand they're in my husband's nightstand they're you know we have books all over the house and now I'm trying to read my son's books too so they're they're all over the house um Let's see, shows that inspired me. Well, I'd have to say, I wasn't a child, but I I guess the X-Files. Yeah. That was the official first fan fiction piece that I ever wrote. And it was, you know, about five pages. And it was an expansion of one of my favorite episodes called Tithonus, where uh, Scully gets eternal life. Uh, And (laughs) um, yeah, I, I was obsessed obsessed with the X-Files. Like I wouldn't go out on Friday night until the X-Files was over. And I was a big club head. I used to love to go and dance, but not <laughs> before 10 o'clock because Mulder and Scully would be on. I mean, it was, you know, people were just like, really, Cerise, get yourself together. I was like, whatever, you don't understand me. Mulder and Scully forever. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think that was the show that that I loved so much that I had to write something about it. Mm. Yeah. What tips can you give for authors out there that are suffering from a serious case of writer's block? And is there a cure for writer's block? Um, you know, I can't say that I've had writer's block. I know several um, author friends of mine have, and, and I mean, it's affected them for years. For me, whenever I feel like I can't write, it's about fear. Mm. You know, it's not the I don't have anything to say. It's that I'm afraid to say what I want to say. And for me, fear takes on all kinds of different, it's like a maze that change, like the maze where it like changes every day. You know, so one day it'll be, oh, 
you know, I, who do I think I am? There are people who are better writers than I am. So what makes me think I can tell the story? And I beat that down enough to write a chapter. And then the next day it's, oh, you know, what you wrote yesterday really sucked. Like, I don't, I don't even, you got to go back to the drawing board with that. And then I beat that down. And then the next day it's something else. And so all of those things could stop me from writing. But what helps is that I understand that it is in all its different variations, it's just fear. And fear is not a, a reason to stop you from doing anything. It feels powerful. It feels paralyzing. That's true. But you can't, like, I, more than being afraid, I hate to let fear win. Mm. I hate to let fear win. Right. You know, and I hate to, the idea that literally I would stop my entire life because I'm afraid. And I can feel it like I would do that, you know? And so I wish I could say that I've gotten over it, but on those days when I can't, I just drag that puppy right along with me. But we are moving forward. I'm moving slow. I might be crying. I might be frustrated. I might be whatever, but we are still moving forward, which may just mean I write after I get through all of that, I only have one page that I've done the entire day because I've been battling that fear. Um, but that's one page down and tomorrow I will be right back because no matter what, no matter how afraid I am, you're not going to win. You're not going to stop me. And so, you know, I don't, that's my experience with what I think could become writer's block if I, if I let it, but I understand that it's fear. It's not that I don't have anything to say. It's that I'm afraid. I'm afraid to say what I have to say. And I think if you can understand it, maybe, as that, then you can tackle it for what it really is. Does that make sense? Let that resonate for a little bit, guys. That that was really some deep stuff. I I mean, just me as a writer, I, I'm pretty much floored by what you just said. So thank you for saying that. Thank you for spreading spreading that uh that gem to us. Um this is from MJ Can on Twitter. Mm -hmm. He wants to know, what would you say was the single most important thing you did to get the first book out there and start the sales ball, sales ball rolling? New York Comic Con 2012. Because honestly, let me describe to you the lack. I think when the first book was released, I was terrified with a, all caps. I both wanted people to read it and I was sick to my stomach to think that anybody would read it. So I told, I sent out one email to my friends like a week before, I think, no, I think the day before the release. And I, I had like, I'd hired like one service to do an e-blast. That was my entire marketing campaign. Talk about fear and conflict. Okay. And then I think I sold like 20 books the first day. I don't even know it was 10. And you know, at that point I was either going to be a New York times bestseller, not even understanding like what would have to happen for that. <laughs> but I was either going to be a New York times bestseller that day, or I was a failure. Like there were, there was no middle ground. Mm. So when I sold the 10 books, I stayed in the bed the entire day telling myself how I shouldn't have done it, how I shouldn't have tried. I was a terrible writer. And yeah, it was, it was an awful day. The release of my, my first book. But um, then I got out of the bed because I have kids and I have to pick them up from school and we have to do homework. And that's, that's really good, you know, to have a reason to have to get out of bed. And, and um, I said, okay, well, how could I have done Let's think for a minute. Let's think. Yes, you suck. Okay, we'll put that aside. Let's think about how you could have done things better. And so I spent, uh, it, it was released on September 4th, 2012. And New York Comic Con 2012 was like the first week in October. So I had about a month of sort of pity party and trying to figure out where I went wrong. And then New York Comic Con came and I sold over 100 books. And people from all different walks of life bought my book. And that's when I realized that I actually do have an audience if I have, if I can find the courage to find them. And so getting out, if you're good on social media, awesome. Go and make that your thing that you might try to do to sort of build awareness about your book. If you're like me and you're more of a one-on-one -on -one person, 
try going to your local Comic-Con, if you're a sci-fi, you know, comic book writer, with your book and meeting your potential audience, yep. looking them in the eye, hearing them go, oh, wow, that sounds like a good story. Hearing them go, oh, you know what? I was eating lunch and I read your first chapter and I love it. I'm so glad I bought your book. That will sort of get the lights on about, oh, well, wow, maybe it's not just me and my mama after all who will read this. And so that's that's what worked for me is getting out and meeting people. But that's because I like that. That makes sense to me. I, I like to meet people. If you're not that kind of person, but social media is your thing, go for it. I hope that answered your question. And to just elaborate on that further, if you're an introvert and you don't want to go the Comic-Con route and yep. you use social media, also reach out to bloggers. Um, send yeah. emails to folks that have their own website, that have their own podcasts, and don't be afraid to put yourself out there and say, hey, can you read my book and write a review about it? Or can you invite me to be on your show or, or what have you? Because any kind of... Um, platform that has an audience is potential to give your book the kind of exposure um, that it needs and it deserves. And with respect to Comic-Con, you know, as someone that's been to a few of them, I always find myself going to Comic-Cons and buying a book that is different that I've never heard of um, from an independent artist, not only because I want to support that artist, but because I'm like, oh, wow, this is a book featuring a black woman and all of these characters of color, yeah. you know, and LGBT characters. And it's yep. just like, wow, this is something that's unique and different. So yeah. there's a lot of us out there that frequent the comic con circuit that yes. are out there buying books. So, you know, be a vendor that that's another great way. Absolutely. Obviously that's what Cerise did and she's doing all right. <laughs> Absolutely. No. And here's the thing about the shy part. You have a table between you and like the mass of people. And no, the, I say this because I get freaked out. I'm not a crowd person, but I can do, com I've got the table. I've worked, I've memorized my pitch. If you're gonna do a Comic-Con, please memorize your pitch. Please, we can have a whole, girl, don't get me started. Anyway, um, um, you know, so there's, there is a, 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 like, you'll have some personal space. You have your booth and you can kind of hide out in your booth in, in, a, in a way. So all you're doing is you're reaching out. And remember, it's not about you. It's about the book. Tell yourself that all day long. So you can sort of get out of yourself a little bit and, and be an advocate for your characters who deserve that. Yep. So. Well, it's getting towards the end yes. of the show. Gosh, I feel like there's so much more we, we need to talk about. But um, I, I want to give you the opportunity now to just give us all of your social media information, your website, if you're making any public appearances, where we can find you, and where we can purchase Order of the Seers. Yay! Oh, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm such an admirer of Black Girl Nerds. I am a Black Girl Nerd, obviously. I think you're that tonight. But just thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, okay, business mode. All right. My website is www.cerisereniemurphy.com, and I'll spell that. That's C-E-R-E-C-E-R-E-N-N-I-E-M-U-R-P-H-Y.com. Um, you can buy the books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the usual suspects, or your local bookstore. If they don't have it in stock, which they probably won't, you, they can, you can give them the ISBN number. Just give them the name of the book, Order of the Sears, and they can order it for you. So support your local bookstore. Um, let's see. Um, I'm on Twitter at Cerise R. Murphy. Um, I don't tweet often, but what I tweet, I believe in. So <laughs> that's the best I can do. Um, you, can, you can find me on Facebook at Cerise Rennie Murphy. I have a Facebook page. Um, I post myself. So again, and I don't post that often. I try to do a little better. Um, but again, what I post, I believe in, and it's me. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's about it. Did I cover all the bases? Website, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> See, you got to run it down. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cerise, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Um, and check out Order of the Sears. Also, we did a review on blackgirlnerds.com, so you can check out the review there. 
And join us next week. Next week, we are having a retro gaming podcast. So we're going to talk about all of our favorite video games from the 80s and 90s. I'm going to have special guests, Sharif Jackson and Makeda Dejanay. She is the founder of Zombie Gamer Online. She was on our show last year when we talked about gaming. And then our new resident video game reviewer, we have Lauren that's also going to come on the show. So um, tune in next week, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. See you then. Thanks for listening, guys. Night. Finally, I'm finally free. Finally.